This Meeting on the Go podcast is brought to you by the San Francisco Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. Hi everybody, my name is Sean. I'm a compulsive overeater restrictor and exerciser. Hi Sean. Hi, Sean. Oh, it's good to be here today. Um, I don't know if I've ever spoken sort of at a unity or large event. I feel a little nervous, but not too bad. And um, I'm proud of myself because my notes today are only on one side of a post-it. <laughs> and for me, that's progress, because when I was uh, first asked to speak in my first program, I took pretty diligent notes that I made sure I covered, try to cover all of them in a share. But um, And I've never shared on a tradition before, so I was kind of excited about that. I, I went and read Tradition 1 today, like I did a little a little prep work this morning, and uh, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Um, and that's a pretty big one for me, actually. Um, as I was reading, I think some like key words and phrases came up for me. And, um, you know, one of them is just isolation, that, uh, you know, my disease with food was a disease of isolation. You know, like I hit my bottom at home, alone, in front of the TV, you know, with a bunch of food and um, and just knew at that moment that I needed help. And the thought of needing help was that I needed other people. You know, I needed other people to recover. I could not do this on my own. And I was really fortunate because I'd had the experience of being in another 12-step program. So, you know, I think that that thought or idea wasn't, you know, so new to me. And so I got myself to a meeting the next day and... Um, you know, just kind of broke the isolation. Uh, my dad passed away this past November, and, you know, it's pretty amazing. When my mom passed away 12 years ago, I had a period of anorexia. And so I get to see today how, you know, I'm how I'm not using food um, to deal with my feelings and with life and how I um, am using the program and tools. And step one, I mean, tradition one and step one are very related to me because, um you know, the crux of being powerless for me is breaking my isolation. It's reaching out for help. Um, I know that I'm practicing step one if I'm picking up the phone and making a phone call to someone else and being honest about what's going on with me to the best of my ability in that moment. So, um, you know, it, it just really kind of takes me outside of myself and connects me with other people. So I'm really grateful to have a tradition, you know, the first tradition be about, um, you know, us as a group, you know, and that, that our, our common good comes first before my particular, my particular needs, you know, and that if I can kind of turn, turn that over, that at the end of the day, my needs have always been met through that, you know, and that's been really comforting to me. So, um, I guess the next one I was thinking about was, um, the idea of being right-sized. Um, you know, I wasn't a very right-sized person when I came into program, you know, I had a, kind of a heaven-hell complex, I guess, Either I'm better than everybody, I'm more important than everybody, or when I'm feeling in hell, you know, everybody, I suck, you know, and everybody else is better than me. Um, can you hear me okay? All right. Yeah. How's that? Oh, <laughs> All right. I, I'll practice right distance right now. How about that? Okay. Um, so being right-sized... Um, was really important to me, and I think tradition one is about finding what size is right for me, you know, how to balance being in a group and speaking my mind about something that I think maybe I think is, has worked well for me and might work well for the group, and, uh, but also being able to turn that over. Uh, being an inner group has been probably one of the best 
practices of tradition one for me, you know, that I have thoughts and ideas about, you know, how things could work, but that at the end of the day, it's up to group conscience. So group conscience is like another key word or phrase for me that um, is very comforting that, you know, if I go to a meeting and, you know, there are, there's a group conscience about crosstalk um, and someone doesn't uphold it, if I'm the secretary, I can just say, I can just repeat that, you know, by group conscience, you know, we do not permit crosstalk in this meeting. I don't have to single out anybody, um, and I don't, I just can stay in the mind frame of being like a trusted servant in that moment, and, and that I'm just carrying out what the group has decided, um, and that's been good. I had an experience recently where um, I wanted to, I elected to be a secretary of a meeting, but I have to come to the meeting every week, and I would prefer to be a co-secretary. So I put it out to the meeting and made a motion to have co-secretaries for that meeting, and uh, and there was discussion, mostly cons, about that. And um, you know, by the end of the the discussion, I voted against my own motion. Um, and you know, and that's for me. What's great about that is tradition one is is um, for me is about uh, humility, uh, but not humiliation. You know, I can feel humbled that I can bring something forth, and within a few minutes have that frame of mind or perspective changed by what other people are saying has been their experience and sort of be able to defer defer to other people. So, you know, I am now the weekly secretary of that meeting, and um, I'm cool with that, you know? So, um, and I still wanted to do service. I love that tradition one and 12 for me feel like bookends um, around sort of, um, you know, uh, unity, you know, personal personal recovery depends upon unity on this side and on this side principles before personalities and to me they sort of feel like they kind of shield or encase you know our groups you know group level intergroup level regional level um and that's been a real a real gift for me um i was also thinking about newcomers um as with this tradition that um you know, as kind of an anorexic, not kind of an anorexic, I am an anorexic, um, I'm, I'm also like kind of socially and emotionally anorexic, so it's really hard for me at meetings to walk up to a newcomer. I always think that they're just going to think that I'm crazy or hitting on them or something like that, regardless of gender or whatever. Um, and so I think that um, it's really important to me to uh, connect with a newcomer before they leave, particularly if no one else has walked up to them. Because I've gone to, luckily, I don't think in a way, but I've been in other programs where I've literally, you know, announced that I was a newcomer and no one came up to me after the meeting. And I didn't go back for a while because I felt crappy and I was angry about it. And, you know, that's some of my own stuff, but it made me realize how important it is to make newcomers feel welcome as part of a group, you know, that they're not alone. And I've had, like, a really amazing in another program, my very first meeting in 12-step programs, and someone walked up and gave me literature and asked. It was hard for me, but um, I immediately felt part of a group. So I guess, you know, just kind of that that practice for me is, is kind of step one, that it's like I have to step outside of my own personal individual discomfort to welcome other people into a group that I get to be a part of and that I've shared you know, that supports me, and I need to, it's my, it's part of my work and recovery to welcome other people into that, no matter how awkward that can feel for me, so, um, 
you know, that's another one. Um, changed attitudes can aid recovery came up for me in this tradition. Um, and I, I, I'll be honest with you, I don't know exactly how, but I just know that that's part of this tradition that, um, you know, I was reading tradition one in the 12 and 12 and they talked about like groups that may be split, you know, inner groups that split up because of differing opinions and, um, but that, you know, found a way to come back together uh, and have, find unity and commonality. Um, and that for me, you know, my tendency really still as an anorexic is to pull away and to separate from people and to put up walls and put up defenses. And so, um, you know, in the process of going to meetings and working the steps and finding a sponsor, um, you know, my attitudes have changed you know, I don't, I can't always connect with um, how I'm going to change something, but I just know, like, one of my guidelines is show up, you know, show up and be present for something. If I'm, if I'm feeling like I want to pull away, um, I know I need to take the opposite action on that and to show up and just trust that whatever happens will happen. Like, I can't say I was thrilled about coming here today, honestly, <laughs> you know, and then I've got some commitment later in the day and like, uh, but I was like, you know, all I have to do is show up and the rest is going to be taken care of. And so I guess tradition one is such a nice um, entry into a relationship with a higher power because like when I first came to OA, I had no higher power or if I did, it was a very, it mimicked my relationship with my parents, you know, very conditional, kind of had to bargain with sorry to take up your time. Could you please listen to me for a minute? I'll do something good later for you if you do. Um, and, you know, coming into a group, a unified group that has group conscience and, you know, unified purpose and message um, was a higher power for me. I didn't know it at the time, but so I'm very grateful to Tradition One for, um, for giving that to me because that was a very manageable um, safe way for me to um, to feel what a higher power could be and to kind of move from that point. So, um, and, you know, I guess I'll take the last couple of minutes because I was also asked to speak a little bit about recovery and relapse. And I've been in program for three years. Um, I've been abstinent for two years from all of my, all of my behaviors. Um, I did lose my abstinence after a year um, because... Of restricting, I restricted, I skipped a meal, basically. It was a short break, but it was a break. And, um, you know, I heard someone in this program say that um, I fail my way into recovery. I was really kind of felt ashamed because I actually had to bring it to my home group and say, I'm not sure if I can, you know, there's a six-month abstinence requirement for this position, and I need to let the group know that I uh, broke my abstinence and it's now going to be up to group conscience to decide whether I can stay in the position or not. And I would really like to because I know for myself that service is keeping, you know, is part of what helps my abstinence. And so I left the room and they voted and I came back and they let me stay in the position. And um, so I guess that's also kind of like a way that my relapse connects back to tradition one, you know, that it was like, I had to just turn it over at that point and let other people decide, you know, what was going to happen. I didn't want, I wanted to control all that, you know, but, um, so I'm actually, you know, and it was through that process of relapse that I realized that my restricting was still kind of very, you know, very creepily working on the, on the, below the surface and that, uh, but through my relapse that kind of came into the light. And so I was able to, um, 
you know, to really start to, you know, to work on seeing a nutritionist and having to gain more weight and, um, you know, it, it helped me to become more willing. It added a level of surrender for me that I didn't have before. I would announce every, almost every month or every week how much time I had. I don't do that very much anymore. I try to find more of a balance being right-sized to the group for that, that like, I want the group to know on some level at some points, but not every week or every month even. So um, I think that's, how much time do I have left? Two minutes. <laughs> You're a captive audience. Thank you. <laughs> um, I think that's it, actually, for me. Um, I am. I'll just say I'm very grateful for the traditions. Um, you know, coming from a family where there were no rules or the rules constantly changed depending on how my parents felt. You know, and that like, but wait, you know, that was that was. We had another rule last month. No, we didn't have that rule. This is the rule. So it's like, it just really, it just provides such a level of um, safety for me and comfort, um, which is something that I need in order for, to really focus on my recovery. If I didn't have tradition one and things were just changing all the time at will or because there were stronger personalities, I just, I would be so focused on other people in this program. I would not be able to focus on my recovery on a day-to-day -day basis, you know, and it gives me a language that I can use with other people when, you know, things like gossip come up and I can say principles before, per I probably have to say that more to myself than anybody else, to be honest, because um, I still have that, my little mind wants to gossip, you know, and put personalities before principles, but, um, so I'm really glad to be here today, and it's great to see a lot of people come out for this, and uh, I do feel the unity, so thank you. Thank you, Sean. Our next panelist is Michelle. Hi, I'm Michelle, compulsive overeater. Hi, Michelle. I also tend to be a quiet person, so... You guys can let me know in the back if you can't hear me. Um, a bit about me. I came into program in 2007. Okay. I'll just move it closer to me. <laughs> and I came in because I had broken my foot and I needed surgery. They needed to put three <coughs> pins in my foot. And they said, we can't do it, though, because your weight, by putting the pins in your foot, when you go to walk, your weight will actually split your bones. And so they said, until you lose weight, we can't do surgery. You're going to have to cope and deal. And so my binge buddy had been to OA before. And so she said, I'm willing to go to OA if you want to go. And I thought, well, okay. If my binge buddy goes, I will, at least we'll both be in there. And my first meeting, I thought it was a cult. I didn't care for it at all. And I was told to try six different meetings to see if I could get something out of one of them. And my home meeting's now a Saturday morning meeting in Sacramento. And um, I know it's where I'm supposed to be. And I, too, was asked to um, talk about relapse and recovery and the traditions. And... Um, my first two years in program, I had a very black and white, clean abstinence. I had a sponsor that worked for me then. Um, 
the morning I asked her to be my sponsor, she asked if I would stay after so we could talk about it. I said yes. We discussed it. She said she'd be my sponsor. And then she said, tell me what you're eating the rest of the day. And I went, well, uh, I don't know. And so she said, okay, well, let's figure it out. So I ran through my head what's in the house and everything and told her what I, what I was going to have. And that worked for me. It worked for me for that time. I worked my program hard. I was in constant contact with my higher power. I probably for the first year didn't talk to very many people and didn't use the phone very much. <clears throat> Starting the second year, I you know, started feeling okay, everybody is accepting me. They're not gonna sit there and who knows what they're saying in their head and who cares? It's none of my business. Um, and then it was just over two years. At an OA retreat, I lost my abstinence. Um, I knew a friend who had in her room a bunch of goodies. And I had gotten in quite the argument with my sponsor and decided, what the hell? So I went upstairs. And what, what really led me down a path was a relationship that I went into. And I made that other person my higher power. And that's, that's where I went downhill. I, in my first two years, lost 210 pounds. And during my year of relapse, I put 80 of that back on. And it wasn't until the relationship ended that I looked back and I was able to say, except one, I was completely powerless over that relationship. And life had become completely unmanageable. I, um, I've always been a people pleaser. I became a very chronic, addictive people pleaser, but only to this other person. I then lost my common welfare with my friends. Um, I used to hang out with my friends a lot, and I dropped that. So there went my unity with my friends. Um, and then with OA also. Everybody in the room, they were, you know, they still had unity. And I chose to, it's Saturday morning meeting, we had a table, and then there's so many people we make more around it, more chairs and stuff. I stopped sitting at the table. I started sitting in the back. Um, I still do that. I haven't gone back to the table yet. <laughs> but um, um, I didn't want to be a part of that. I didn't want to be a part of that unity anymore. And one thing was, because for sure, no one was going to accept me again because I had gained weight back. I also put down the phone. I still haven't really picked up the phone very, very much yet. Um, I have to ask for the willingness to still do that. Um, I do know, and maybe it's I don't believe it yet, that everybody in those rooms will accept me. They really don't care. Well, they might care if there's concern that I put on the weight, but it's not going to affect how they are with me. Um, Oh, I just went blank. Mm -hmm. 
Let's see. See how to burn notes? Um, well, this is why. Actually, I was asked to do this like an hour ago. <laughs> so, in regards to that, I actually, when I was asked, I actually stepped out. I said yes. And then I was um, asked six months abstinence sponsor me. I, I can't remember. But I stepped outside and called my sponsor. And I said, you know, I am, I said yes. And then I was told, you know, you have to have all this. And so we talked about it. And, um, you know, I'm not perfect. And so while I have my new abstinent, abstinence, it hasn't been perfect. It hasn't been my black and white abstinence that I had my first two years in program. And therefore, sometimes I will say, I don't know if I'm absent. I stopped taking chips. Um, when I think I hit either three or six months again, I haven't taken any since. That very critical part of me has come back. And, um, and I think until I start accepting things and really um, turning back to my higher power, which gratefully, I would say I, you know, that person in my relationship is no longer my higher power, and I've turned back to who my higher power is, and want to be, want to be part of that unity that the members have in those rooms. I think I'm still too scared to actually join that unity, um. I am fear-based, I will admit it, and uh, I know that I can talk to my higher power and talk to the others. I believe that my higher power talks through the other members in LA to be able to give me their experience, strength, and hope. Um, and so, do I have a lot of time left? Seven minutes. Okay, thank you. <laughs> um, I'm really not sure what else to say. I think the biggest thing with, you know, the step one and powerlessness and relapse is because I was powerless over my relationship and I wasn't applying the steps and traditions to my everyday life, which, especially the traditions, when I apply those to my everyday life, I then have a easier time doing the program and working the steps. And um, I am doing that to the best of my ability right now. Um, oh, and the biggest thing I was told during my relapse was keep your butt in the seat. Whether you are mentally there, spiritually there, keep your butt in the seat. And I dropped down to one meeting a day, or a week. <laughs> and it was my Saturday morning meeting. And I put my butt there. And I played games on my phone the whole time. I actually even did these food games that you do. And um, my butt was in a seat, though. And it kept me coming back. And um, I'm on my way to working a better program now and talking with my higher power and have started reconnecting with friends like I used to. Was able to make an amends to a friend who I lied to about my relationship. Um... It's a great program when you work it, 
it works, and I think I'm um, having a higher power, and to um, stick with your higher power. and I am recovering from compulsive overeating. I'm recovering from bulimia also and um, stinking thinking, um, negative thinking. And I'm far down the path of recovery on that one and I'm grateful to say that. Um, I was asked to speak on step one, tradition one. And um, I'm reminded that our common welfare should come first. My recovery depends upon OA unity. And what thrills me about today is two things. One is that at 11.30 when we were all standing there holding hands, I just pictured that there were people in uh, Nevada, there were people in Southern California, there were people in Utah, Colorado, Livermore, uh, <laughs> you know, all over. I, I, don't, I don't know how far out our time zone goes, but... Technically, if we just think about it on a spiritual level, at that hour, people in Israel were in unity with us. The people all around the world, we have OA. It's just amazing at the Region 2 Conference uh, Assembly when they showed all the places in the world that OA exists now. We were all saying the unity prayer at the same time. And that, that, make, they know that makes my heart sing. And the other real miracle is that I came into this program 32, in July it'll be 33 years ago, and you know, 20, uh, at least 20 years ago, I wouldn't have been able to be up here speaking most likely, because I worked the HOW program, and back in 20 years ago, there wasn't a lot of unity around working a program that wasn't that was a subset of OA, and there was a lot of disharmony. And today, no one asks me, what program do you work? Do you weigh and measure? Do you eat carbohydrates? Nobody asks me that. They just say, will you be a speaker? You know, you're a member of Overeaters Anonymous. Will you be a speaker? And it's so wonderful because my step one, just to give some background, is that I came in at the age of 21, severely bulimic. My first OA meeting was at the age of 16, so if I want to count that, I can add five years to the 33, which would be 38 years ago I walked into my first meeting. But I came in here not because I was, at, excuse me, at the time uh, 50 pounds heavier than I am right now. That was part of the reason, but the main reason I came in was because I felt scared to death that no one else in the whole world ate the way I did. And that I wasn't going to have a life, and that the life I was living wasn't a real person's life, and I was living a living nightmare. And I'm reminded that it was partially because of the bulimia, because when you're bulimic, your nightmare never ends morning, noon, and night. Um, so it wasn't about being fat, it was that I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop. I just wanted to stop eating, and I wanted the monkey off my back. I wanted freedom from the obsession and freedom from the compulsion. And yes, I didn't. I hated being fat, but I couldn't live a life being obsessed 24-7 with eating and not eating. 
and when I finally was led to Overeaters Anonymous and found there was a word for my disease and that there was a solution for my disease and that there were people nodding their heads that they understood what I was going through and actually there were even people that God forbid really were worse than me I mean, and I say that um, tongue-in-cheek because I would fight people to the death for that um, the distinction that, no, you don't understand. You think you're bad. Let me tell you how bad my disease is. Until people would say, you want it? You got it. You want to be the worst? You are the worst. <laughs> and that would terrify me because what if I really was the worst? <laughs> so um, it, what's, what's wonderful about our program today is that it doesn't matter if I'm in how or if I'm in 90 day or in regular OA or I'm on a way to medical food plan or I'm not. It's that you all understand what I mean when I say I can't stop. I couldn't stop. And it took oh about 14 years um, of two steps forward three steps back, five steps forward, six steps back, fall down, get up, go forward, roll down the hill, get up, brush myself <laughs> off, you know, start again to finally get what I have today, which on March 11th will be 19 years of back-to-back -back abstinence. Um, <laughs> thank you. And um, which for me is three way to measured meals a day, nothing in between, no sugar, no white flour. Um, I, I wanted, I was in regular OA for a long time, but I couldn't control my portions, and the weighing and measuring in the health program was the surrender for me. And I was talking to, actually happened to be talking to the Region 2 chair this morning, our Region 2 chair, and she was thrilled that I was speaking, and she said, please put a plug in for the fact that Region 2's theme for the year is unity, and that her vision and her dream is that all, the, all of us, the subgroups of OA, all work together um, and not and not focus on the distinctions, so that people don't have to stand up here and justify whether they have a food plan or don't have a food plan, or whose business it is, my business, God's business, your business, that we all just are unified, you know, in, in the fact that we have this disease and we're, we're all in pain and we're here because of what we heard about today, the shame, the isolation, the aloneness, the relapsing. The shame of coming back after a relapse, thinking that we're, it's fine for us, you know, if um, uh, to sit up here and say, well, of course, if you gain weight, we love you. Of course, there's a seat here. We, would never, we never thought you should have left in the first place. But if it's me that has to come back, oh, my God. You know, and I, <laughs> I get scared, too, because the longer the abstinence I have, the more I have to, um, I have an image to uphold. You don't understand. It's not going to be 18 years. Now it's going to be 19 years. And secretly inside, I'm going, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? What am I going to do if my disease rears its ugly head? It's really, really still there. I'm reminded of it on a regular basis, which is why I go to three meetings a week, mostly. Um, you know, I, I follow my food plan. I sponsor. I have a sponsor. I do service. I do everything I can to make sure that I remember that when I'm 
eating, my life is unmanageable. And I love what I heard, and I think I heard it at an AA meeting one time that step one should be reversed, and it should be, I'm, I'm powerless over my life, and my food is unmanageable. Because now that my food is manageable, because I have a food plan that I follow, it's my life that kicks my butt. You know, and I now I'm at this really scary place where I show up for life every day and I have two choices, to face the fear and walk through it of the new gifts of challenges that God brings me, or to go backwards. Because if I don't go forward, I go back. And so then I'm, I'm well, what do, well, it's a good thing I do weigh and measure because I would not be clear on where that first bite uh, should end some days. I took a big risk in my career recently putting on a staff retreat, and that may not sound like a big deal, but for those of you who go, oh, God, she said staff retreat when your boss says that at work. I hate those things, which is what I used to do. I'm now the boss that's saying, hey, let's have a staff retreat. <laughs> But all the while, mindful of all those years, I hated those staff retreats. So I had to put my best foot forward, put a, a smile in, and, and on my face, be enthusiastic, and know that there's going to be those that, quote, hate staff retreats. But there are those who love staff retreats and couldn't wait to do the icebreakers. And, um, <laughs> and, um, and we built towers out of marshmallows and spaghetti, and I was thinking the whole time, isn't it great that I can build a tower instead of be eating this stuff raw? <laughs> Little did they know where I came from. So I wouldn't be able to do all this stuff now if, um, if it wasn't for the unity of the program, because like I said, back in the 70s, 80s, I can't remember what it was. I came in um, there was food plants. There were several: blue, blue, blue one, orange one, gray sheet. Um, tons of controversy about which one was the right one and whether you should be eating this or that, and um, a lot of defending one's own food plan. And, and I know there are people here that, um, which warm my heart, warms my heart also. That we're here, we were all going through it at the same time, and. Uh, um, Thank God we made it through. You know, and if you read um, the tradition, tradition one, she taught. You know, it talks about that how there was all that controversy. But one of the lines in here says, "Unity does not mean uniformity." So we can all stand here, hold hands, um, talk about our disease, but we don't have to be the same. We can be a hundred of us different, but unified. And so now I can go to meetings and be able to just listen for what I can identify with. My husband will also, often say to me, was it a good meeting Was it a, when I come home? Did you like the meeting? Was it a good meeting? And I say, that's not the point. Was it a good meeting? You know, when, when I go to my meetings, I, because I, I need, all I need is to look for the identification to remind, I'm scared. Even though I'm not going to leave, I'm scared I might leave. If that may, I see you guys identifying. So I'm really not going to leave. I have no intention. In fact, 
<laughs> thought of another 30 years of this when I've already put in 30-some. That's a long time. But what if I didn't? What would my next 30-some years be like? That scares me more. So whether a meeting is a good meeting or not doesn't really matter to me. Of course, I like good meetings, but I need to just go find something that's said or read or heard that I identify with that reminds me that when I don't want to go, when I, I'm tired after work and I go, I'm so sick of this, all I do is think of, oh, okay, you're sick of this? You think you're sick of this? <laughs> Then just don't go. Just don't go. And then I, okay, I'll go. <laughs> and I, t you know, and it's not, it, and I, and I need to focus on the gratitude, and I do. I do. I am so grateful because I do have a life that's beyond my wildest dreams. My husband and I have been married. For those of you that knew me before, I had never even could be in a relationship. I was so scared of men. And now my husband and I are be celebrating our 10th anniversary. We keep joking about how sad it'll be when the honeymoon wears off. <laughs> and it's been 10 years and we still just look at each other and go, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know, and um, I went outside of these rooms. I mean, I dated and dated men who were in AA because I was so afraid of not speaking a common language. And then I took a big risk and went outside of these rooms and said, okay, God, if they just drink, well, maybe one once in a while, it'll be okay. You know, maybe like regular guys do. And um, wouldn't you know it, the guy that I met at a singles event, turns out he has, he's in recovery. So in spite of myself, God took care of me. You know, and I'm living a wonderful life. My depression is gone. My obsession is gone. The compulsion is gone. But I, it's all contingent on a daily reprieve. And I know that. And I have to remember that. And that's why I do what I do in terms of do, doing service and giving back and going to the meetings on the days I don't want to go and speaking even though I get scared. Um, and going to conventions, because actually conventions make it fun. And that is a real sense of unity. And I went to the World Service Convention because I wanted to get feel that sense of unity where people from all over the world um, come because they want that sense of unity as well. And uh, let me see if I just got everything I wanted to say here. I just, I think I did. Um, so... I, as I was sitting here today, I, I rem I'm remembering one of my, I, I make New Year's resolutions all year long, so, um, oh good, I only have 30 seconds left. <laughs> um, that when I start judging, when, I st when I'm sitting in the room and I'm judging, I'm going to remember today, I'm going to remember what this is all about, that our common welfare comes first, and my personal recovery depends on OA unity. So thank you everybody for coming today.